Recording. Sweet. Um, a few weeks ago, probably about six or so, um, we did a workshop called Communicating the Hope of the Gospel. That was some practical training on how to um, study the Bible really well to hear what the message is of the scriptures and then to be able to communicate that to other people. So that communication can happen in many ways. It can happen in one-on-one, it can happen in groups, and it can happen in church. And so this was sort of a, a workshop that we had six people do. And uh, today is some of the fruit of that workshop, as we've got three people who are going to share, um, f- using the skills that they learnt in that workshop, we're going to share this morning a message each today. And when we did that workshop, the output was that of that was aiming towards this Sunday. But the blessing of that, I'm sure, for each person that's done it, in how to study the Bible well, is going to help them for the rest of their life. Um, so I'd encourage you, when we run this workshop next year, Communicating the Hope of the Gospel, sign up, come along. And even if you're not wanting to do this part of it, It will still be a great blessing to you in your personal Bible study techniques and abilities. Um, So when we're doing that, we thought let's just do something that is very open as far as the theme goes for this morning. And so that was faith, hope and love. And we thought, well, let's just open up there. Feel free to choose anything with that. And each of our three preachers this morning, one chose faith, one chose love and one chose hope. And so this morning I'd like to invite Anthony up first to share with us and uh, he's going to speak on hope. Um, So Anthony, uh, please, welcome. Thank you. In this life, we will face many troubles. Troubles that we may feel are too much for us to bear. But God calls us to look to him for help. And if we do that, he will renew us and lift us up by his eternal power and wisdom. Dr. Caroline Leaf is an American cognitive neuroscientist and communication pathologist, which is quite a mouthful. And she does an excellent job of combining her love, love for science with her passion for Christianity. One piece of information that I clearly remember from one of her books is the conclusions of two eminent doctors who pioneered cognitive behavioural therapy, which is a therapy that may help people change unhelpful or unhealthy ways of thinking, feeling or behaving. These two doctors believe that toxic emotions arise from just three negative and incorrect beliefs that people commonly think. Firstly, I must do well. Secondly, you must treat me well. And thirdly, the world must be easy. Dr Leaf states that these may sound like harmless thoughts, but in reality, they are toxic. In our day-to-day lives, no one does well all the time. Everyone is mistreated sometimes, and life is not always easy or fair. It would be reasonable to conclude that in this life, all of us will face many troubles. 
The key questions for us is how do we deal with the inevitable troubles that we will face and from where do we receive our hope? In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 27 to 31, we read, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The famous passage that I just read from Isaiah, in verse 31, calls us to hope in the Lord in order to renew our strength. This is the NIV Bible translation. Other Bible translations of this verse call us to wait upon the Lord or wait for the Lord or trust in the Lord. To me, all of these translations of verse 31 convey a sense of stillness, of waiting, while acknowledging the presence, power and wisdom of God. I think of Psalm 37, verse 7, which says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. This may all sound like we are being passive, but to trust, to wait, to expect, to commit to the Lord our situations, all these are actions that require an act of our will and energy. While reading Bible commentaries on this verse, I came across this helpful explanation. Waiting on the Lord involves the confident expectation of a positive result in which we place a great hope. This expectation is based on knowledge of and trust in God. Our Heavenly Father, our Creator, is the God of renewal, of transformation, of rebirth, of life. We see it in creation. Outside the cold, barren winter is becoming the warm springtime of growth, which is supposed to be anyway. <laughs> a tiny seed becomes a majestic tree, the miracle of a newborn baby. The examples are endless. Jesus came that we may have life and life to the full. No one is finished, no one is out. By God's transforming power, our best is always yet to come, not by our will or power, but by God's will and his eternal power. Renewal is part of his plan. It is a central quality of his creation. We need to remember that God views our present circumstances in our life's journey from an eternal perspective. What will be best for our whole of life development? Our eternal life? and the eternal lives of those we will influence, not just in this present time, but for generations to come. Don't forget, you can influence future generations. Our God can see a very big picture. I think of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, 
where God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah in chapter 40 verse 31 famously gives us a pictorial image of what it is like for those who hope in the Lord to renew their strength. And that is, they will soar on wings like eagles. Occasionally I've been blessed to be in a location to watch an eagle soaring in flight. And you may have too. Eagles make use of thermals, which are upward currents of air caused by uneven heating of the Earth's surface. When an eagle catches a thermal, all it has to do is spread out its wings and enjoy the ride as it is lifted up in great majestic circles. There is no flapping of wings or expenditure of energy by the eagle. It just relies on the power of the unseen column of warm air to make it rise above the world below. So whatever trouble you are facing this week, Take hold of God's promises in his word and place your hope in him. Take the action required to be still and to wait patiently for the Lord. Once you have placed your hope in the Lord, substitute fear and worry with the confident expectation of a positive result. Allow his eternal power and wisdom to take you on an ever upward eternal spiritual journey, just as God intends for you. Thank you. That was a great word, Anthony. How are you going at soaring on, on those, those upward thermals in your life? What a great opportunity that is for us to calmly wait and trust on the Lord. That's a great hope we have. Uh, next up is Jim. Jim is going to be sharing on uh, a word of faith and uh, I'd just like to uh, welcome, welcome Jim. I'll put this up a little bit for you. So um, what I've got to share with you today is uh, part of my testimony, um, part of my story, and uh, certainly how I feel that uh, a demonstration of love to myself and to Karen as well. Um, and that is um, uh, Matthew 10, um, 29 through to um, 33, um, in two parts. I'll be uh, bringing this to you. So. Um, are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Uh, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. Uh, and every uh, hair of your head um, are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Well, um, 2016, I was made redundant for the third time. And um, Karen and I were in a, I don't know, wasn't a great financial spot, I suppose. Um, and we were at that time we were worshipping with the um, um, God Squad Church in Glen Rowan, and um, I'm, if you know much about me, I'm not really one to much to ask for help or uh, or for prayer for that matter. Um, and uh, we've walked into the um, 
church on a Tuesday they meet and um, uh, Di has come to, to me and she said, gee, you guys look flat, look like you'd do some, with some prayer. I said, Di, absolutely we could do with some prayer. Um, she wasn't aware that I'd lost my job um, for the third time, that's a bit of a smack in the mouth. Um, so um, the whole church laid uh, hands on, on Karen and I and prayed. That verse had been on my heart for some time. Um, even before I'd lost my job, that verse was on my heart. And uh, during that laying of hands on prayer, that verse was recited. So I knew from there on in, everything was uh, from the Lord. Um, church service went on. There was actually laying of hands on, a, on another couple as well. Um, and, uh, and it was all great. Then uh, during the service, um, Di came up and said uh, that she felt that the presence of the Lord had uh, instructed her to give the entire offering to um, a couple that night. That couple was Karen and I. And... Um, so that was a blessing. Karen uh, believed it was enough to pay the, uh, the telephone bill. Um, but at that stage, I was um, in the process of uh, looking at starting my own business, servicing uh, Foxtel. And Foxtel's requirement was that you had to be a proprietary limited company. That was going to cost $1,200. We didn't have $1,200. Well, not easily laid at hand, but didn't have that money. So. Um, I turned to Karen and I said, I know how much money's in the offering. And um, she didn't believe me. Um, at the end of the, the service, uh, we were handed an envelope. Um, another chap come and give me a big cuddle. I don't mind a cuddle. <laughs> and uh, in the cuddle, he's, he's handed me another, another wad of something and put it into my pocket and off we've gone. Got home and the um, house is all dark and turn on the, uh, the kitchen lights and at the kitchen table, we've counted out the uh, envelope. And I'm just counting out 50s and 100s. $1,150 in the envelope. And I've reached into my pocket, crisp $50 note. <laughs> so, absolute blessing. $1,200, there was our company. So, um, but me being the uh, curious mongrel that I am, not being one to, to settle back on that, the following day, um, just going through and just uh, couldn't believe the blessing that we'd received. Um, I started to Google, what's the... Uh, the weight of an average Australian house sparrow. So, being that I was going to be an average Australian house sparrow climbing through roofs and uh, all that sort of jazz, worked out that if I divide the weight of a house sparrow against my weight, it was 1,200. So, <laughs> so that was obviously a blessing that was directly from the Lord um, and uh, specifically targeted at myself, I felt. Um, so, uh, with that, I saw it to be... Um, um, my, uh, well, it wasn't my business, it was the Lord's business. So I would share that story, as I'm sharing with you now, with uh, all sorts of people across my journey with the Foxtel uh, um, installation and servicing. Um, so I couldn't leave the business either, so because uh, <laughs> I was put there by the Lord, I, he couldn't, I couldn't leave, it had to be uh, him taken away, or me taken away, which is another story. Um, so that leads me to the, uh, the second uh, part of my, uh, my verse in Matthew, which is, uh, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me uh, before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So a bit of a, a challenge as well that I'll put out to you as well uh, tonight or today is um, how many sparrows do you weigh and uh, are you prepared to share those sparrows with whoever you come across? So thank you.
Isn't it great to hear about those stories that are so faith-affirming and encouraging and uh, stories that really, I think, um, encourage us that God does care for all of our needs, that uh, just like he cares and feeds for the little sparrow, that they have no concern, no want, um, he also cares for us. And one of the great blessings it is where we are is we have so many birds all over the place. And so as Jim was thinking, I was thinking about these tiny little sparrows and was just trying to picture in mind 1,200 of those. You know, and it's great. It's almost like they're the things we have, the, the ble- abundance that we have to share with others and to, to encourage other people in, in their faith too. So uh, thank you, Jim, for that. Uh, last but certainly not least this morning is, is Daniel. And so uh, welcome, Daniel. Good morning, everyone. A month or so ago, we heard the story of seven rugby league players who refused to wear a uniform celebrating gay pride. These players received major backlash for their position, and even those journalists who appeared to be on their side had something negative to say. One such journalist from Sky News, Andrew Bolt, defended their right to make a stand on their beliefs, but commented his disagreement with their stance because, and I quote, I thought Christians loved. Now there is some truth in what he says. Christians are called to love. But what exactly is love? And who gets to set what love actually is? 1 John 4, 8 and 16 tells us, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. The only way of knowing what is loving and what isn't It's to let God, the almighty creator of the universe, tell us through his word. If we don't use his definitions, anyone can and does make up their own definition of what being loving looks like. We see this today with the Christian view of marriage being called hatred and bigotry. The passage I'd like to focus on this morning is Matthew 22, 35 to 40. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This means that ultimately, all the Old Testament law and the prophets were intended to show us how to love God and our neighbour. Now often as Christians we can look at the Old Testament and the law and think of them as a bunch of rules we don't really understand and that no longer apply, skipping over them thinking they don't have much to teach us anymore or that we are now under the rule of love but not law. Matthew 22.40 is telling us that these laws are to show us what love is and how to love others. For one example of this, let's look at Deuteronomy 22.8 where we have this command. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. Now, if we were to apply this without looking for the love or the principle of how this law is loving, then everyone should have a parapet or fence around their roof. Now, in our current culture and climate, that would be rather ridiculous because we don't tend to spend a lot of time up there. In biblical times, however, 
tools would often be stored or laundry would be put out to dry on the roof. And in the evening when it was cool, people sat, talked and even slept up there. If we think about what the general principle of love is within this law, we can then see how it could apply today. The principle is we should take care to put barriers in places of danger to prevent bringing harm to our neighbour. Now today in Australia, we apply this principle through rules such as putting a fence around your pool or having a railing around your deck if it's up off the ground. Now you here who are parents have first-hand experience of these principles when you apply rules within your household. When you as parents set boundaries and rules for your children, you're applying them from a place of love. When you ask that your child not run around near the road, for instance, you do so because you love your child. You don't wish for them to get injured or killed by a passing vehicle. This is the same with God. The Old Testament civil law was never really about following moral or civil rules to get into God's favour. The sacrificial system shows that God knows that everyone will at some point break them due to their sinful nature. Rather, these laws are about showing us how to love God and our neighbour as we should. In the sacrificial system and in the laws surrounding clean or uncleanness, we have the foreshadowing of Christ. As you read through the Old Testament and you see the words clean and unclean, they are there to show our state before God. God is holy, and because of our sin and rebellion, we are unclean, stained, and not able to enter the presence of God. So a sacrifice is required for our sin before we can enter his presence. Even the high priest had to offer a sacrifice for their own sin before they could enter the Holy of Holies to represent the people before God. Hebrews 9 shows us how Jesus is the fulfilment of this. It says that Jesus came not to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The sacrificial law points to the greatest act of love that has ever been and will ever, be, ever will be. I remember a powerful moment in my life that showed me the truth of the gospel and this love in a way I hadn't yet fully understood. I'd done something sinful, the exact circumstances escaped me, but I'd been caught doing wrong and was in need of discipline. Now corporal punishment was one of the methods of discipline in our house, and one that certainly made me sit up and listen. If you've ever been on the receiving end of a wooden spoon, you might understand. <laughs> I prepared myself for punishment, but on this occasion my mother chose a different option, one which I did not see coming. She handed me the wooden spoon and said words to this effect. Here, impose the punishment you deserve on me. I don't remember whether I went through with it. In fact, I highly doubt I would have. But it hit me like a ton of bricks. My mother was going to take my punishment for me. I knew I deserved that punishment, yet my mother chose to take it for me. He gave me a clear understanding of how Christ's sacrifice takes away my sin. When we're in Christ, we now no longer stand under the condemnation of our sin and disobedience to God and his law, because Christ has taken all the punishment we deserve on our behalf. As Romans 8 says, 
For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you have received Christ, you have the Spirit of the living God within you. It is this Spirit which gives us the ability to see the principle of love behind God's law. Because we now know the condemnation of the law is completely taken away by Christ and his death on the cross, we no longer follow the instructions of God out of fear of punishment. But rather the spirit within us works in our lives enabling us to love God's ways. As the psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies and my meditation. As you leave here and go about your week, I want to encourage you in two particular areas. First is to spend time reading the Bible regularly. And as you do so, pray that the Spirit of God within you would guide you as you seek this truth. When you come across passages where there are instructions to obey, try to approach them from a new angle. Look for the way in which that law or instruction is loving to God or your neighbour. Remember, God doesn't make up arbitrary or inconsistent rules. God is love and everything he says and does is loving. Sometimes it seems more loving to the individual and sometimes it's more loving for the community when crimes are punished, for instance. But he's always from the God of love and from a heart of love. Secondly, as you speak to those in the community around you, don't be afraid to stand on God's word. Our world twists the truth of God's word and will claim, as shown by the reaction to the rugby players, that it is hateful and unloving. But no commands from the God of love can be. If the opportunity arises, don't be afraid to stand up for the truth of God's word. Do so with the fruit of the spirit. Speak the truth with love from a heart of joy that loves the truth. Speak it in a peaceful manner, not seeking arguments. And be patient and gentle to those who refuse to listen or who will attack you. Let's finish in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the instructions you give us in your word. Help us to be discerning as we read them, to know how we can apply the principles in there to our lives today. I pray that you would transform us by the power of your word and that you would help us to be faithful to Christ as you, Lord, are faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What an absolute blessing it is. Daniel, to uh, absolutely hear the love of God. I love your definition of knowing what love is, is knowing what God says love is.